Welcome to Bible Chapter Every Day. I'm Matthew. Our chapter today is Deuteronomy 3. Let's ask God to bless our time today. Heavenly Father, as we read this, we pray that we would desire spiritual things rather than physical things, that we would learn these lessons and and desire what really matters. We pray this through Jesus. Amen. Deuteronomy 3. Then we turned and went up the road to Bashan, and Og, king of Bashan, came out to meet us, he and all of his army, for the battle at Edrai. And Yahweh said to me, You should not fear him, for I have given him and all of his army and his land into your hand. And so you will do to him as you did to Sihon, the king of the Amorites, who was reigning in Heshbon. And so Yahweh our God also gave Og, the king of Bashan, and all of his army into our hand, and we struck him down until not a survivor remained to him. And we captured all of his towns at that time. There was not a city that we did not take from them. All of these were fortified towns with high walls, gates, and bars, apart from very many of the villages of the open country. And so we destroyed them, just as we had done to Sihon, the king of Heshbon. We destroyed utterly each town of males, the women, and the little children, but all of the livestock and the booty of the towns we kept as spoil for ourselves. And so we took at that time the land from the control of the two kings of the Amorites, who were on the other side of the Jordan, from the wadi of Arnon up to Mount Hermon. The Sidonians call Hermon Sirion, and the Amorites called it Sinar. All of the towns of the plateau, and the whole of Gilead, and all of Bashan, up to Silica and Edrai, the towns of the kingdom of Og and Bashan. For only Og, king of Bashan, was left from the remnant of the Rephaim. Indeed, his bedstead, it was a bedstead of iron. It is in Rabbah of the Ammonites. Nine cubits is its length, and four cubits is its width, according to the cubit of a man. And so we took possession of this land at that time, from Arawer, which is on the edge of the Wadi of Arnon, and also half of the hill country of Gilead and its towns, I gave to the Reubenites and to the Gadites, and the remainder of Gilead and all of Bashan, the kingdom of Og, I gave to the half-tribe of Manasseh, the whole region of Argob, all of that area of Bashan was called the land of the Rephaim. Jair, the descendant of Manasseh, acquired the whole region of Argob, up to the boundary of the Geshurites and the Maakathites, and he called it, that is, Bashan, after his own name, Habath Jair, as it still is today. And also I gave Gilead to Maker, and to the Reubenites, and to the Gadites I gave, from Gilead up to the Wadi of Arnon, the middle of the Wadi as a boundary, and up to the Jabbok River, the boundary of the Ammonites, and the Jordan Valley, with the Jordan River as its boundary, from Kinnereth up to the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, with the slopes of Pisgah toward the east. And I charged you all at that time when I said, Yahweh has given you to all of you this land to possess. All the warriors shall cross over ready to fight before your brothers, the Israelites. Only your wives and your little children and your livestock, I know that you have much livestock, must stay in your towns that I have given you, until Yahweh shall give rest to your brothers as he did to you. And also they take possession of the land that Yahweh your God is giving to them beyond the Jordan. Then they may return each one to his possession that I have given to them. 
And I commanded Joshua at that time, saying, Your eyes see all that Yahweh your God has done to these two kings, so Yahweh will do to all the kingdoms where you are about to cross over to. You shall not fear them, for Yahweh your God is the one fighting for you. And I pleaded with Yahweh at that time, saying, Lord Yahweh, you have begun to show your servant your greatness and your strong hand. For what God is there in the heaven or on the earth who can do according to your works and according to your mighty deeds? Let me cross over, please, and let me see the good land that is beyond the Jordan, this good hill country and Lebanon. But Yahweh was very angry with me because of you, and he would not listen to me. And Yahweh said, Enough of that from you. You shall not speak to me any longer about this matter. Go up to the top of Pisgah and look around you, toward the west, toward the north, and toward the east, and view the land with your eyes, for you will not cross this Jordan. Now instruct Joshua, and support him, and encourage him, because he himself will cross over before this people, and enable them to inherit the land that you will see. So we remained in the valley opposite Beth Peor. Well, that's the reading. Let's dig in. Moses has been recounting the journey of the Israelites to them and is discussing events that happened in the last two years before this speech he has given. At the end of chapter 2, he talked about how they defeated Sihon, king of Heshbon. Now, in this chapter, he talks about how they defeated Og, king of Bashan. This kingdom was also east of the Jordan, outside of the Promised Land, which is west of the Jordan, but Og and his people were also Amorites, which is one of the people groups in the Promised Land as well. So Yahweh promises victory to Moses and tells the Israelites to completely destroy Og's people. So they did. And they took all of their towns, which included cities with high walls. They killed all of the people, just like they are supposed to do in the land of Canaan, and took the animals and goods for themselves. We have a parenthetical note about how Og was one of those left of the Rephaim, which I believe means the giants. There is this note about how big his bed was. If he filled up this bed, he would have been large for sure, since it was over 13 feet long and about 6 feet wide, or about 4.5 meters by 2 meters. This note sounds like the bed is in a museum in Ammon, or maybe it was just like a roadside attraction where you could pay a small coin to see the bed of King Og. Then Moses describes the territory east of the Jordan that they had conquered. So Reuben and Gad got the territory that had been Sihon's kingdom, and half of Manasseh got some of the territory that had been Sihon's kingdom and the territory that had been Og's kingdom. Then Moses repeats his commands to Reuben and Gad and half of Manasseh about how they had to help conquer the land of Canaan with the rest of the Israelites. And Moses points out to Joshua how God had given them victory over these kings, so God would give them victory over the promised land. And Joshua must be courageous and not fear. Then Moses begged Yahweh to let him go into the promised land, but Yahweh said no. Moses is to go up on Mount Pisgah and look at the promised land, but he doesn't get to go into the promised land. Moses must just encourage Joshua to take the land. And now for a deeper dive. What do you think about Moses blaming the people for him not being allowed into the promised land? He said in verse 26, but Yahweh was very angry with me because of you. Now, if I remember right, Yahweh told Moses it was because he didn't treat God as holy before the Israelites. So this was Moses' sin that kept him from the promised land. 
So, is Moses casting blame on the Israelites where it doesn't belong? Well, to be fair, if the people had gone into the Promised Land when God originally told them to, Moses would have led them because this was before the sin of Moses. And when Moses did sin, it was because he was rather annoyed at the people. So, we can see Moses' point here. But on the other hand, it was Moses who sinned. God isn't being unjust here. And maybe Moses is doing this more for the people's benefit to see that their sin has consequences beyond themselves. Hopefully, Moses isn't just trying to justify his own sin here. What this section does show is just how much Moses really wanted to go into the Promised Land, but he couldn't. Actually, there's a theme of this in the Bible, God's servants really wanting to do something for God but not getting to finish the job, having to leave the job for someone else to do. Elijah had to leave the completion of his work to Elisha. David really wanted to build the temple but had to leave that to his son Solomon. Ultimately, all of these people and their work are pointing to Jesus because Jesus is the one who truly finished the work. Jesus brings his people to the true promised land. Jesus truly turns people's hearts to God. Jesus builds the true temple. But Moses did actually get to set foot in the promised land on earth, just not until the time of Jesus. When Jesus was transfigured on a mountain, Moses and Elijah appeared with him on that mountain, and the mountain was in the promised land. But I think at that time, Moses was more interested in Jesus than he was in the physical promised land. May we be more interested in Jesus, too. Scripture quotations are from the Lexham English Bible. Copyright 2012, Logos Bible Software. Lexham is a registered trademark of Logos Bible Software.